We're back. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Again, as I mentioned prior to the break, there's two preseason games in the books right now for the Cincinnati Bengals. And we really haven't seen much of Joe Burrow. He gets to training camp in August. So all the talk is on who's going to make the offensive line backups. Where's the depth at the left guard position. So far, when you look back, we'll get to offensive line in just a moment. When you look at these last two preseason games, what stands out for you? Oh, there's a few things. Um, I do think I was thinking a lot this offseason when I watched Hayden Hurst, and I was like, that guy's really good at a at a sift block, which is a big topic this <laughs> this week. But that guy's really good at a sift block and cut blocking. So I'm like, I wonder if they're going to implement that more because CJ Uzama was a little bit more of the uh, combo blocks on the front side and trying to work to the second level. But I don't know what it is about Hurst. He's not overly small, but he excels much more at just trying to take a guy out on the backside of runs. So I've been looking for that a little bit. And then, yeah, uh, they've been running a bit more of like a, a split zone rather than just a standard wide zone type play. And the split zone is just essentially you've got your tight end off of the line of scrimmage and he's going to work across the line. So if the runs to the left, the tight ends working to the right, just like the play where Thad Moss, unfortunately injured Kayvon Thibodeau, um, he's going to work back across and usually cut down that backside end to open up a running lane on the backside while the offensive line's working the other way to open something up on the front side. So it gives a little bit more flexibility. And then what really makes it nice is, uh, especially a guy with her athleticism, is that sets up the uh, slide play really well where it looks exactly like that he's coming right at that end but then he goes over him and he just runs a little flat route and i mean that in the nfl since what like 1990 whatever john elway throwing this (laughs) has been like a free 10 yards for teams that can execute a good split zone so i think that i've been seeing a little bit more of that and i know this is like a weird nerdy thing to <laughs> pick as what's the main reaction for the preseason game i've seen a lot of split zone so that's what i've been we looking love for that though. we love that little x's and o's right now i mean i can count on you for that because i'm not gonna add that into this podcast so go right ahead yeah uh so the so i've been seeing a bit more split zone and i think i haven't seen a ton of the slide stuff but i think they'll implement plenty of that they tried it last year but i don't think they ran their split zone well enough my one question is if burrow loves to have his back turned towards the defense but they're running so much under center stuff that i think they're going to try it again this year at least at the beginning and uh yeah that's what i've been looking for is uh all right how how often are they going to run split zone versus a standard wide zone and it's pretty often. I don't have like an exact split. I haven't charted it, but uh, I do think that that's going to be a big part of the offense this season. I didn't mean to go really tight and heavy, but I have a couple of things for you right now. We're going to stick to the Thad Moss topic because I didn't expect this to be so heated between national analysts, NFL offensive linemen on the defensive side. Everybody feels very strongly about the video that went viral for Thad Moss. When you watch that in that moment, do you feel like it's because the name of the player of who it happened to versus it happening in every play all the time in NFL games. 
it's the name of the player, and I also think it's how gruesome it looked, and they kept showing the replay with the knee bending inwards. I'm like, oh, that that looks bad. It's not dirty, it, it but just like you have a natural reaction as a human to go, ooh, <laughs> you know, that's what I did. And uh, but then everybody's calling it a dirty play, and it's like, well, well, hold on, it's not a dirty play that happens all the time, legitimately. If you go on to Twitter.com and you put in the search bar "split zone," you will see. I haven't done it myself, but I'm sure hundreds of reps of like that tight end cutting on the backside. I have plenty on my computer of just that tight end cutting the backside because that's what they do. They're just cutting that guy down so he can't make a play on the front side and it opens it up on the backside because if it's a good block, he gets him onto the ground. Not that it's as good as like a pancake and that type of stuff, but it gets him on the ground. He's not making a play from the ground. And really the thing with Thibodeau that made it so bad for him is he didn't, I think it's a speed of the game type thing. He didn't feel that cut block coming. They lock eyes, they look down at each other. So he knows a block's coming, but he tries to play it as if Moss is going to stay high. He came with uh, what I know is gladiator technique. So it's, you look like a gladiator. You got a, uh, your shield on one side. He looks like he's shield bashing into the block, near foot, near shoulder, both into the block. But then Thad Moss went low to try to cut block him. And what you want to do as a defensive lineman there is hands down, thumbs down, push him down and get your feet out of the play. So that way you could stay on your feet and that block is rendered useless in a way. I mean, it usually does still hold them up long enough that they can't do anything, but you're still on your feet and you protected yourself. So it's just a speed of the game. I mean, I think Thibodeau is going to get used to it. I mean, it, it's just the NFL moves so much quicker than college and block reaction and reading those is one of the big things. Yeah, and not to back you up too much, you you mentioned Hayden Hurst, and I think what this team has been really missing, no offense to C.J. Uzama, because I really did feel like C.J. and Joe Burrow started to get that connection in Joe Burrow's rookie year. Unfortunately, Joe gets hurt, and then they come back, and C.J.'s still a big part of the weapons room, but I think Hayden Hurst can be bigger than that. And they've really looked for a red zone tight end. Tyler Eifert, unfortunately, when he was here, he dealt with a lot of injuries, and they've never really had that. And I feel like that's one of the things – you go into the 2022 season, you got to figure out that threat in the red zone for this team. Where are you putting Hayden Hurst right now when it comes to weapons and then obviously an upgrade over CJ? Uh, sorry, muted for a second. Um, yeah, I think Hayden Hurst is, to me, pretty clearly the fifth weapon on offense, which is a great issue to have, <laughs> to have him be your fifth guy, because I think the three wide receivers and Nixon, and then it's probably Hurst. So specifically in the in the passing game, yeah, you like what Uzoma brought, Uzama brought, <laughs> but uh, I think Hurst is more athletic, but he's a little less physical. Uzama was a very physical guy. I think that's where he started making his name for himself on the Bengals. That's why they liked him to start. And then uh, he's fairly athletic himself, but he had the Achilles tear. And I feel like that took just a little bit off. And Hurst looks faster. So I do think that Burrow's going to like him a lot. He liked Uzama a lot because he's a big target. I mean, <laughs> T. Higgins is also almost <laughs> – he's six foot four as well. So it's like you got another big guy for the red zone. I think of Joe Burrow's first touchdown against the Browns – his first throwing touchdown. I guess he ran one on quarterback draw against the Chargers, but – the one he threw against the Browns, it's a YY verts play, which is essentially you've got your two tight ends right next to each other. One goes, the inside one goes straight up the field and the other one kind of does a little bit like a wheel where he goes out and then up. And Uzama was on that out and then up and Burrow's able to place it on him 
He's got such good accuracy and ability to read leverage. He can hit that backside, back shoulder type thing on these big targets. And Jamar Chase, who's not a big target, but plays like one. So he hits that back shoulder. And it's just, it's so hard to cover a guy that's six foot four when the quarterback can put the ball top shelf and behind him. And I think Hurst is the guy is the type of guy to have the body control and the athleticism to both stress the defense vertically and make linebackers kind of useless covering him. Not that they do that all the time anyway, but he's even faster than safeties too. And then the body control and hands to catch that and get his feet inbounds or turn his body and come down with it. I really like what he can bring to the Bengals. I don't know how much of an upgrade it's on. It is in the passing game over Uzama. And honestly, I think if you, Ask me, I think I would prefer Uzama in the run game, but I don't think you're losing much because the team's probably going to be more pass-oriented this year. We saw what the team looked like after the bye. I think that's what we're looking at for the future of the Bengals. A lot of shotgun, a lot of passing, not so much of that mixing 25 carries in a single game type thing. And what Uzoma brought was better for the first half, but what Hurst brings is better for that second half offense. We're looking forward to the last preseason game. I think all NFL fans are. You're ready to get out of that game four quarters. No starters really are going to be taking the field. And personally, I'm just ready for week one against the Steelers. But you look at this team right now. They're having a joint practice versus the L.A. Rams. And I still find it odd because it's two Super Bowl teams coming to town. Obviously, we know Zach Taylor and Sean McVay are good friends. So it all makes sense. But personally, I'm excited for a little Jalen Ramsey, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins 2.0 rematch. I think everybody needs to be mic'd up. This last preseason game's happening. Joint practices happened at uh, Paycor Stadium this week. What are you looking forward to? I think I'm looking forward to the most scary thing possible, which is Aaron Donald and Cordell Volson. <laughs> Where it's like the best player in the entire NFL going against a guy I hope can start at left guard. But honestly, it's what you need to see because week one, he might be going up against Cam Hayward, who, what, top three, four, five defensive tackle still. So if he can handle the air, I, I don't care so much about all that crazy cross chop stuff that Aaron Donald does that's just going to beat anybody but can he handle the bull rush a little bit and sink down and anchor in against that because that's what I'm worried about him versus Cam Hayward can he keep the firm pocket with that he hasn't really had that issue in the preseason it's more so the shifty movement types that are getting him a little bit in the preseason he's done a good job with that anchor but can he do it against a guy with the natural leverage of being six foot just like Geno Atkins and whatever he Perfect hand placement, the scariness of this guy can legitimately go three ways, either through me or either side on me. Best player in the league. Can he hold up enough that I feel like, okay, that's manageable? Or is it he's not even winning a single rep type thing, which is possible. And that's not even like a that guy shouldn't start if he can't win a rep against Aaron Donald because that's Aaron freaking Donald. But <laughs> can I get a little bit of excitement where he anchors in against an Aaron Donald bull rush or something? I, it's, it's scary in terms of you're probably not winning many of those, but there's excitement in what if he does. I'm going to stay with Olin right now because I think a lot of people in the social media world, everybody's fighting for Cordell to be the left guard when you think about week one for this offensive line. Obviously, they spent some money, they upgraded the offensive line, and they have to. And it's going to be crazy if they can stay healthy when Joe Burrow has extra time. But the left guard position, it's still questionable. I mean, it's unfortunate that Jackson Carmen, he hasn't worked out. 
And I know it feels early to say the guy's a bust after one year, but he's not ideal. When you look at that position right now, you look at Collins working with Cordell after practice, putting those extra reps in, and you think, where's Jackson Carmen right now? You know, I, I know he's tested for COVID this week, so unfortunately, hopefully he's doing well. But when he's out there, it's just he's not staying after. He's not getting those extra reps in right now. When you look at this offensive line, you get Trey Hill out there for some extra reps. What is it going to look at look like in the left guard position situation in just a couple of weeks for this team? Or do they need to get on the phone and say, hey, Quentin Spain, we need some extra bodies right now. We need you out here. And personally, I feel like Trey Hopkins is someone, if he's still in football shape and he's been rehabbing and doing well because he was really pushed last year. I think a lot of people forget when he did struggle, obviously, at the center position. He's coming off an ACL tier in January and he's ready for week one which is still unbelievable and I feel like that was a little rush back for him he really didn't get his time but you move him to the guard spot you add extra depth at center just to have him back in the room me personally I'm bringing Trey Hopkins back are you moving in a different name or are you still looking at some of these younger guys for the left guard position and then added depth on the offensive line if it's me I probably pushed for Quentin Spain to come back because I thought he was solid to pretty good last year. Now, everybody wants to talk about the second half and the playoffs, what happened there. He got carted off of the field in like week 16 and then played by the first playoff game. I think he was playing a little bit hurt, and I'm not opposed to Trey Hopkins either. What I think is if Cordell Volson, or I'm not going to just throw him out because he had a bad preseason game and was bad last year. Jackson Carmen could still win the job. If either one of them can beat out Quinton Spain or Trey Hopkins, but especially to me, Spain, just because he played pretty well last year for the most part, then that means that you've got a guy that he's going to come in and he's solid. Whereas now you've got two guys and to me, the floor and this is fixed by Trey Hopkins too. The floor is just, well, what do you think of another team taking a late fourth round rookie and starting him? You think, Oh boy, I hope BJ Hill's going to have a good game. <laughs> you know, it's not, but even as much as we might like Cordell Volson, he could be really good. It's just on paper, I think, okay, uh, while he's been pretty good, I don't know. There's just such a floor raise when you've got a guy that you know is going to bring you solid level play, whether that's a Hopkins or a Spain. They're both versatile too. Spain is good on both sides of the line and he can even swing out to tackle in a very, very difficult situation like he did two years ago against the Steelers. And then Hopkins can play all three interior spots and the center versatility is also nice. So I'd call either one of them up and just see, cause I just, it's a Super Bowl window and I just want to raise that floor. And I don't think either one's going to cost that much money. It's early on in the podcast. This might be the second segment might be all offensive line to be determined on what that's going to look like. But the last but not least, we're going to wrap this up is what we have learned on. It's always game day in Cincinnati next.